Well, good evening, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Good? I figured with the rally and stuff, you guys weren't crazy enough to come out here, but you're crazier than I thought, so I'm just glad you guys are here. Um, I guess before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I just uh, come before you today, and I um, uh, just with the realization that I, I have nothing of value just just through me to offer anyone, but Father, it's uh, it's all about you. Um, it's your gospel. It's your hope. It's your truth. It's your promise, and that's what really matters. And so, Father, I just pray that that's what reigns true. That you just get me out of the way. You get ourselves out of the way, and that your Spirit just comes and works works through our hearts, through our minds um, tonight, Father. We just pray these things in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, yeah, just glad to be here tonight. Um, you know, when I was younger, I, um, I, when I was in Bible college, um, which uh, is, is getting further and further away from, from the present, but, you know, I both had the opportunity and, and or was forced uh, to read many books written by a number of different theologians. Um, and just like with any book, um, if you've been in school at all, or just, you know, were forced to read anything. But it can either be a very painful experience to endure, or it can be something that really feeds into your soul and, and refreshes you. And, and fortunately for me, I feel as though much of the time, in my experience, it was the latter. You know, I remember, I remember diving into books in my Old Testament and New Testament survey classes, and, and my Life of Christ classes, or my Systematic Theology classes, or whatever it was, and, and that there were just a number of books that I really enjoyed. I've always kind of been one of those weirdos that likes school, though. Um, so if that's you, you're my people. If not, it's okay. <laughs> I know, I was, it's, that was me, though. But, uh, you know, as I did this, I couldn't help feeling um, some desire or longing in me uh, to be like one of those theologians. I know, arrogant, right? Um, you know, the, w- the way they could think so deeply about topics that, that I wouldn't have even picked up on when reading through Scripture, or, or the way they could explain something so complex and even ambiguous in a way that, that I could grasp and understand. And I was always impressed and challenged by these people. So, of course, in my arrogance, I began thinking that someday I could or I should become one of these people, these theologians that I was reading. Now, this alone, I think, is an admirable pursuit. You know, I, I, I think that that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the further along I went, and the more I began to understand my own heart and my own like flesh patterns and desires, uh, I, I began to see some things in that pursuit of mine. Uh, you see, I wasn't well-versed in Scripture growing up. I didn't know all the stories. I didn't grow up watching VeggieTales. I think the first time I sat through a Sunday school class was when I was like 14. Okay, and, and I've always, you know, so I, I wasn't well-versed in Scripture like a lot of these people that I began to hang out with at youth group. Um, I, you know, I've always been a good student. I felt extremely, uh, in this area though, I felt extremely inadequate when it came to the understandings of Scriptures and, and when it came to knowing anything about God. You know, and, and my jealousy and my pride would flare up around those people who I hung out with that knew so much so much more, so much more than what than what I knew, and I would get I would get really jealous over it. 
Um, so when I decided to pursue God's calling in my life to ministry, I remember going up to my youth pastor at, at the time. It, it, was this, it was an evening um, outside of church. I remember exactly where I was standing. And I asked him to, to help me because I, if I was going to be a pastor, you know, I, I thought I was way behind the curve um, and needed to get into God's word more. So I knew, I knew what to say to people, right? Like, how can I preach God's word without knowing God's word? Makes sense. You know, and being the awesome guy that he was, he helped, he helped me out and he gave me some places to start. Um, and I remember I still have the book that he gave me. It was just this book on Galatians. It's a little thing. It's just a place for me to start. It was a starting point. And so fast forward into the future when I was at Bible college and I was learning so much. I was, I was reading these words of, of these men and women who would write these uh, you know, theological books. And, and I think a part of me wanted to make up for the inadequacy in my own heart and mind by thinking that I needed to become one of them. Um, and, and now, now that when you know, I know that when we're growing up, we tend to have a lot of dreams um, that that don't always come true. Uh, sometimes they're foolish. Uh, sometimes they just aren't in line with reality. Um, you know, sometimes life just takes a different takes us in a different direction. And I think we can all relate with this. You know, that we each of us here thought we were going to be something someday that we're not today, and, and that's okay, right? That's just kind of the way that life works. Um, so my pursuit of this path never really took a, a huge hold on me, but nevertheless, I, I felt it in my heart. Okay, and, and while I think it's Adam, it was an admirable quest to become a theologian and to teach God's word in such a way. I knew that this wasn't a calling from God in my life. Okay, I knew I knew this wasn't of God. I knew this was in my flesh. Okay, uh, I knew this wasn't of God in my life. This was an overcompensation that I was trying to make for something that I felt that I lacked, and therefore I let affect the view of my own value to God. And I know what the root of the whole thing was. Okay, I, when I think back, I can see exactly where the root of the whole thing was. And that's that I thought my relationship with God would be better the more that I knew. Uh, I thought the, that things would go better in my life the more, that I, um, the more of the what that I knew when it comes to God. I believe that my life would get easier, that the world would seem more manageable, and that the longings in my heart would be, would be filled alongside the knowledge of Scripture that I would, would obtain. But what I realized is that this is a pretty common thing to man. Um, we have a desire to understand. You know, we have a desire to share our understanding with others. If you don't believe me, or if you don't really understand the scope of that, just go to a library. Go, go look up Wikipedia, Right? You know, there's something about the way that God designed us that we long to know more about anything that we're putting our minds and our hearts and our passions towards. And, and this isn't a bad thing. I think this is actually a great thing. I think God made us this way for a reason. But I re- what I realized is that while it is a good thing, it isn't the greatest of things. And if God isn't behind it, it's kind of a foolish pursuit. Because in our lives, you know, it, this isn't what our end goal was ever created for. It was just to know a bunch of stuff. Right? Because here's what I've observed, not only in my own life, but, but in the life of Christians. Christians who pursue God in the way that I'm talking about. And this goes for really anybody, and no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ. Okay, um, Even with their pursuit of more knowledge and knowing more scripture, there's a cycle that I think so many of us, really all of us, get stuck in at some point in time, and oftentimes over and over and over again. Okay, and I wish I had a graphic up here. I don't, but just kind of picture this graph. Okay, this this cycle. Okay, we start off in a spot where we're like faithful to God. It's kind of those mountaintop experiences. You know, maybe you're just kind of really on fire for for God and. 
dropping your mic. Um, but, you know, you're, it's just one of those times where things... Um, yeah, I don't know, just kind of at, at the top of, I don't know, you just feel the closest to God that you ever felt. So you're kind of in a faithful to God stage. Then you kind of move to a stage where you slowly start to forget Him, right? you just like, things are going well enough, but then life gets in the way, and you kind of start fading off a little bit. And then the next step is you descend into sin. Okay, we kind of forget living in the Spirit. We start living in the flesh, and sin grabs a hold of our hearts, and we start living in, um, in some sin. And after that, we kind of uh, we get to a point where we experience God's discipline, or the the aftermath of our sins catch up with us, and we we are we're feeling the results of that, right? And so then we're getting to this point of desperation and of helplessness. So then at that point, we're like, oh yeah, there's this God guy, and so maybe I should kind of go back to him. So then we get to this point where we begin, we begin to remember God in our lives and what we're spo- how we're supposed to be living in the Spirit, and we kind of start tre- tending uh, trending towards that point. And then from there, we go back to that spot where we're faithful to God again, those kind of spiritual mountaintops, right? And, and so there's this pattern. It's kind of cyclical. It is, and it just kind of goes round and round. We just kind of come back to the point, and we just keep going in a circle. And, I mean, if you're honest with yourself, does that sound familiar to anybody here? Yeah, I think all the ups, all of the ups and downs is something that we can all relate with. The, the falling away and the coming back. And I'll tell you what, guys, it's an echo of the cycle that we see in God's people all throughout Scripture. We, we see this all through the Old Testament, God's people being faithful to God, then kind of turning to their flesh, then falling away, then being like, oh man, we really need God, so they come back, and it just like goes round and round and round and round. But in our context, I think those often that get stuck in this area are people who go to church every week, who are engaged in Christian communities, who are even in God's Word every single day. And I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time believing that this is the kind of life that God had in mind for his followers. This, this abundant life he told us about. I just don't think that this is it. Now, this isn't you know, a guilt tactic. If anything, it's, a, it's the exact opposite. It's a humility tactic. Because uh, I think we've all been there. And maybe you're in the middle of that, in that, of that cycle right now. Maybe you're on the other side of it from where God's at. Um... But, but what's the solution? You know, I really don't think it's just knowing more. I mean, come on, you know, Satan knows the scriptures better than any of us can. I know there are plenty of atheists out there that know scriptures way better than I do. So what's the solution? You know, why I bring this up is because I've learned something along the way that has made all of the difference in my life. If I can, like, pinpoint a couple of the, like, key changes in my heart and in my life, this is one of them. Okay? And it transformed the way I viewed God and my relationship with Him. And it got my heart on the right path when it came to these selfish desires of wanting to know more in the flesh. And that's the simple truth, that it's not what we know, it's who we know. Okay? It's not just what we know, but it's who we know. This summer I had the privilege to speak at a, a full week of camp um, out in Custer, Camp Holowasa and to a group of middle schoolers and some, some adult leaders. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I got to do it the previous year as well. Um, but the camp director, his name was Nick, he, he gave me the freedom to really teach on whatever I wanted to. He didn't even give me any direction. He said, I don't care, whatever God's putting on your heart. He just said, you've got nine sessions, speak on what you want. So I was, okay. You know, so I, I began to kind of pray about where God was trying to, to lead me, where to go with this. And, you know, I've spoken to camps before. I've attended camps before. I've been a pa- youth pastor with kids at camps before. And so I really wanted to evaluate all of that and come up with a topic that I thought would be most challenging and beneficial for the people there. I think that's kind of the goal of most, most 
preachers at camps, right? And I thought back to when, uh, when I was their age, you know, when I was 14, when I first started going to Sunday school, right? And, and I thought of the different camps that I went to, and sometimes the, the themes that I would encounter at those were a little gimmicky. You know, there, you know, there was one central theme about things like unity or metamorphosis or endurance or the all-too-common one that you find at most camps, identity. Okay, and, and those things are great. Actually, two years ago when I spoke at a camp, it was on identity, okay? And, and those things are great, and they're worth taking the time to dive into God's Word to discover His truth about both. But was that really what they needed to hear at that time? Was that what I needed to hear at that time? Probably a little bit. You know, they're great topics to study. Um, but the more I prayed about it, and the more I looked at what I should preach at, the more I landed on not what they should know, but who. It wasn't about what they should know, but who they should know. You see, in all my years at camp I went to, we talked about God. You know, we talked about my identity and that I'm a sinner in Christ and that he came and died for me on the cross and that I'm a new creation, his spirit living in me. And we talked about different spiritual gifts and disciplines. We talked about all these things. And they were transformational. I mean, they helped, they're part of my journey. They helped shape me into to who I am and where I am today, right? But even through talking about all those topics, I can't remember a time where we just stopped and talked about God himself. And that kind of struck me. We talk so much about the application and what it means to take what Jesus did for us uh, into the world, but, but we never just talked about God with no other means or goal than just getting to know our Heavenly Father better. And while there's so much that we can get out of the Bible that helps us in our lives, that leads us to living in the Spirit, that edifies us, and leads us to maturity and so much more, there's so much blessing in the Gospels. But to quote Nick Ewing, the greatest gift of the Gospel is God himself. The greatest thing we can ever gain from God's Word, from studying, is just a better understanding and worship of exactly who God is. And if you think about it, how can we ever really go about reading scriptures and applying it to our lives if we don't know the heart and character of the God that this Bible is all about? I don't know if you guys like to read. I love to read. It's just one of my hobbies. Um, and I love fiction. I love nonfiction. I love all sorts of stuff. I kind of mix it up what I'm reading. And, um, but one thing you've figured out if, from good authors to bad authors is character development right? Like the, the ability to really develop um, a, an interest, a compassion, or whatever, for the main, character, main characters or even the minor characters, right? So like when they're going through trials and, and, and tribulations and like, you know, all these hardships, you tend to feel bad for them or you root for them because you know that character. You've developed a, a, a longing to, to, for them to succeed or, you know, to endure or whatever that looks like. And so there's this character development. And we read, you know, when we read our, these books, these stories, we read the context of those characters into the stories. So when they do something, we know the heart behind, of why they're doing it, behind what they're doing. You know, if there isn't any character development, it usually makes a pretty lame story. And I think the same goes in our relationship for God, with God. You know, if we're called to live for Him, to live like Him, to worship Him, don't we have to know who He is? Don't we have to have some character development so we read this, uh, uh, the characters of who God is into the, into the scriptures, into what we're studying, into sermons we hear, into songs we worship Him about? Don't we have to have some sort of character development into those to really fully grasp what those stories mean and who He is? And I, I think we get a great sense of this throughout the life of Jesus. 
Okay, we see countless encounters with Jesus and his followers that lead us to believe that it isn't what you know, it's who you know that really matters. And I think of Peter in Mark chapter 14. Um, this was nearing the end of Jesus' life, and Jesus knew what he was about to face. He, he knew the crucifixion was about to come, but he wasn't out studying scriptures because the what really didn't matter anymore. Uh, what was he, so, but what was he doing? He was spending time with God in prayer. But Peter kept falling asleep during this time, okay? And, and Jesus knew all the craziness that was about to go down. And, and so here we pick up the story in Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 32. It says this, They went to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass him. Pass from him, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. You see, at this point in Jesus' life, when things were about to be the worst that is even imaginable, the worst th- part of his life, life, the climax of what he knew was about to come, Jesus turned to one place and one place alone, and that was to God. He went, he went to his Abba. He went to his father, to his daddy, because he knew that that was the only place worth turning. It goes on, it says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, Are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So Jesus left, and he came back, and what happened? What was Peter doing? Back asleep. Okay? But why do you think Jesus told Peter to be in prayer? I mean, what did he mean that the spirit is willing and the body is weak? What did that have to do with anything for Peter at that moment? Well, fast forward a few verses, and we see exactly what happens with Peter after Jesus had been arrested. Uh, Verse 66, it says, While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went, on, he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there again, she said again to those standing around, this fellow was one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near uh, said to Peter, surely you are one of them. You are a Galilean. He began to call down curses upon himself, and he, and he swore to them, I don't know this man that you are talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoke to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. You see, the thing about Peter is that Peter had been living alongside Jesus for a few years now. He had listened to all of his sermons. He had heard him teach in all the synagogues. He had uh, treated him like his rabbi, learning uh, to live in every which way just like Jesus did. He had learned from the greatest of all the teachers. And so he had plenty of knowledge. Okay, he knew the what. But in this moment, Peter forgot who Jesus really was. He forgot that this is the man that he had called the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. He, He forgot the who. And without the who, it made the what completely irrelevant. And so we got caught in this cycle that we talked about before, just like we do. Started to forget God, who he was, descended into sin, then he got to the point, he's like, man. (laughs) He says he broke down and wept. 
Because he realized what he just did. You see, Jesus knew this was coming, and he tried to give him advice. He, he told Peter to get in prayer with Daddy, just like he was doing. Because the flesh was weak. All of that knowledge in the flesh, the flesh, Jesus knew he was a good teacher. He knew he had been training these disciples for a few years now. He knew that. But he knew that all that knowledge in the flesh, it wasn't very strong by itself. But the Spirit, living, the living God in, living inside of you, the who, that is where true strength really is. You see, it isn't what we know. It's who we know. And who we know is Yahweh. It's I am who I am. It's the creator, the redeemer, the prince of peace, the great healer. Who we know is God himself. That's a pretty amazing thing that I think we take for granted far too often. I think sometimes we don't fully appreciate or understand the privilege it is to come before God and learn about him and to worship him. His name is the name that echoes throughout all of creation and time. When we sing praises to him, when we pray to him, when we search him through the scriptures and through his word and all that he has made in his creation, this is the same God that, is all, that has always been that, and that always will be. This is the same God that works so miraculously through all of this, uh, the stories we learned about. And this is the God that people and the angels have sung praises to for all of eternity. This is Yahweh. And is, I mean, isn't it amazing to think that people have been using his name, lifting him up in worship for thousands of years, that this God has been prayed to and praised for generations to generations? And when we come here on a Saturday night, you know, and, and sing songs, and we, we listen to his word, and, and we, you know, we, we worship him. But like, this is the same God that people have been doing this to forever. You know, this is the God that's been prayed to and, and praised and, and called upon in all sorts of circumstances. I just want you to think about that. You know, when you, when you say his name, when you call out to him, this is the same God that millions of people have been calling out to forever. A couple years ago, I, was, I got the privilege to go to Ecuador um, with World Vision, a global missions co- uh, organization. And, and when I was down there, we got to travel all around to different villages, um, some huge cities, uh, and, and but also some really small, tiny villages that I was the the first white man they'd seen in thirty years, and like, it was pretty amazing. And you know, it was a, it was an incredible experience. But one of the one of my favorite parts about the whole trip, it just beyond just seeing what God was doing uh, in the country of Ecuador, it was that I got to go to this church that was five hundred years old. It was the church of Balbanara. Okay. There's, I got a picture of it. It's not a great picture, but it's a picture. Um, we drove a, a quite a bit out of the way to go see this church. And, and the, the cool thing about this church is this was the very first Christian church that was ever established. The first church that was established that they would preach the name of Jesus at. It was 500 years old. And, and I, I was just overcome by the sense of like, this is where, because I, I, I'd gotten to see all over the country what God was doing in this country, and, and just to see how the gospel is being spread. But 500 years ago, this is where it started. And it just struck me, because there was something amazing about standing in that church. I got to walk inside of it, and, and like, there was, a, you know, this, there were seats and stuff, and then up front there was just this worship area with all these candles lit. And, and there was just something amazing about standing in that church, a place that people would come together for prayer. People would travel hundreds and hundreds of miles to come to this church, and they'd been doing so for 500 years to worship, to pray, and, 
and, and it, they've been doing this forever. And, and if, you know, for centuries, a few centuries longer than the United States has actually even been a country. Okay, this is, they've been doing this for a long time. But there was something amazing just to get a small glimpse of a place like that where people had been coming and just praising the name of God. But that was such a small picture of, of the eternity of who God is, right? Like, people have been coming and praying to this God, to, to this who, to Yahweh, for thousands of years. And I just got to experience a glimpse of that. But here's my encouragement to you guys today. And I want you to realize and understand that it isn't just what you know that makes the difference in your life. It's who. Because like I said, to quote Nick Ewing, he's the greatest gift, gift of the gospel is God himself. And he has made a way for us to know him and to praise him and to worship him and it's worth every second of it. Guys, this isn't me discouraging people from getting into the Word <laughs> and reading, um, especially some of, like, you know, Scripture or some of these theologians. In fact, I think some of these, there's some books out there that have, for me, have become some of the greatest joys in my life that I know I'll ever have, just reading these, these theologians, just their hearts and how God is just speaking to them. But knowing information doesn't solve anything. Think about it. I mean, as man, we have these massive libraries and unlimited amounts of resources online, and yet we still have wars. We have murders, we have you know, desecration of life in our world. It's not what we know. Because the flesh, the body, is weak. But the spirit is strong. Our God is strong. Yahweh is strong, and he's eternal. And that's why the greatest commandment given to us is to love God with all that we have, not just to know a bunch of stuff. So I encourage you, all of you just to get to know your daddy better. Get to know Abba. Seek him out for the sole purpose of just getting to know him. Because when we experience God and who he really is, guys, we will be changed. We can't help but be changed. You know, we can't help but be changed because that's how incredible our Heavenly Father is. Get to know our God more and worship him for being him. And the fact that he made a way for us to know him in an intimate way, not some distant relationship, but an up-close-and-personal, intimate, living-inside-your-heart kind of way. Guys, God doesn't desire us to be be stuck in that cycle I was talking about. But a relationship with Him, staying fresh and committed to Him, will change your heart and it will transform your mind. The Spirit is pretty good at doing that, okay? It doesn't really need our help. Okay, It just needs our commitment, it needs our submission, it needs our obedience for, for God to come and do a work in our life. And that will come from knowing God more and from seeking Him out in your life. So guys, I just encourage you to take the advice of Jesus. Spend some time in prayer. Live in the Spirit. Seek Him out through His creation and His Word. They are gifts given to us so that we can know God more. And that's enough. Is there anything more worth our time? Guys, I understand. We're busy, right? But what a lame excuse to not spend time with the Holy of Holies. Guys, it'll be worth worth it every time when it's in the Spirit. When God's leading you to do it, it's worth it every time. Because as a pastor and a leader at Rimrock... I hope that this is the type of church that we are. Okay, and, and for you guys as leaders in the church, because that's what you are as well, uh, I hope that this is the type of community that you are promoting as well. And one where our focus always is and always will be on Yahweh, on Daddy, on Father, on God. So right now, I just want to give you the opportunity just to take a few minutes, or just a minute even, just take some time to pray to God, 
to worship him through your prayers, and just to enjoy being in his presence for a moment of just silence with him, okay? Because he is all that we'll ever need, period. So let's take some time in just silent prayer here real quick, and then I'll close this in prayer. Abba, you are just such a a good, good God. You're the beginning and end of everything. In you, there is nothing left unturned, um, unfulfilled. Father, when we seek you out, when we submit our lives to you, our hearts to you, and just living in your spirit, Father, there's, there's nothing that you can't fulfill for us. Your word tells us you'll give us the passions of our hearts and that they will be fulfilled. And Father, I just pray that we just don't ever take for granted what an opportunity is just to spend time worshiping you, learning about you, just getting to know you better. Father, you know us. You know our hearts. You know our our patterns. You know everything about us, Father. But let us just always take the time to pursue you and just to get to know you better. Your, Your truth, who you are, is all around us. We, see, we live here in the Black Hills, one of the most beautiful places in America, Father. We see your creation all around us. Let's never take that for granted. And Father, may we see just your glory and your beauty and your character through that. May we see it through your word. May we just passionately seek out your, your word just to get to know you better. Not just for answers to life, which will come from it, Father, but, but just to get to know you better. And Lord, when we worship you, let us realize like this is an incredible opportunity to come before the Holy of Holies, to come before you just like people have done since the beginning of man and just worship you and praise you for who you are. And, and that's the only reason for it, the only purpose for it, is just to praise you. Because you are worthy every single time. Father, it's not what we know, but who. And who you are is worthy of all of our praise. So, Father, just as we come before you and just praise you now, I just I thank you for you are who you are. I thank you for your Son Jesus. I thank you for your grace, your unearned favor that you cast upon us, even though we are so unworthy of it. Father, may we just worship you tonight and praise in your Son Jesus' name. Amen.